Ladies, I'm so glad you came back for part two of Take One for the team. Last time we talked about you. What are you planting? What does your walk life with the Lord look like? Are you planting Jesus first? Did you truly take the time to dig up all the weeds, examine your heart, and forgive? Yes? Awesome! Then you're ready to say, Hey spouse! Friend! I'm ready to have a relationship now. Come on over! Part one was about getting your heart right spiritually, but now I want to talk practical. Love isn't just words, it's action. So, let's go! Part two, take one for the team. Calling all women to victory! You have to hear this. Okay, so really, how did you do? Don't get me wrong, it's a journey. We're a work in progress. Jesus is making us more and more like himself every day. No one is asking you to be perfect or get it all right, but you have to try. And when I say try, I really mean do. If you have bitterness or anger in your heart towards your spouse, if you haven't let go of whatever happened in the past, you'll never be ready. So I rebuke the spirit of offense off of your life and your marriage right now and declare in Jesus' name that your life, marriage, heart are blessed and ready for the Holy Spirit to do more than you can think or imagine. So let's dive in. Let's talk about your other half or in my case, my better half, the other member of your team. That's right, your husband. Single ladies, insert your future husband here or other relationships such as friends, coworkers, etc. you name it. We're mainly gonna talk about marriages, but these ideas can certainly apply to any other relationship. Let's start with a definition. I feel like I should put a ding in here every time I roll out a definition. I'll talk to my production manager about this, aka my husband. Team. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a team as a group of players forming one side in a competitive game or sport, a group of people who work together, a group of two or more animals used to pull a wagon, cart, etc. This is the definition of you, your spouse, and your family. You're a group of people working together. You're pulling the load together. You're on the same side. You are a team. In regards to marriage, the day you said, I do, you made a covenant with your teammate. An unbreakable promise, a solemn binding agreement to agape love your teammate no matter what. You didn't sign a contract. They are breakable and filled with phileo love. Nope, you said for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Please don't send me an email about any alternatives, contingencies, or what-ifs. Let's stick with what God intended here and not follow the white rabbit down the hole. In regards to other teammates, the Lord has called us to love everyone with agape love because that is how Jesus loves us. So what's phileo love versus agape love? Phileo defines a love found among friends. It is affectionate love that is conditional. Phileo says... 
You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Or you treat me kindly and I'll do the same. I don't know about you, but this doesn't sound like love I'm interested in for any relationship. There are days when I will certainly forget to scratch your back. My memory's bad. Or get sucked up into the work vortex and become crazy, Hannah, and forget to be kind. And I know there will be days when my friends will do these things most of the time unintentionally. This love gives an out. If they don't treat me right, then I'm not treating them right. Relationship over. Is this the world we live in or what? No. Give me agape. It's the love God puts in the heart of his children. It's the same love Jesus freely gives to us. It is unconditional. Sorry, I have to throw in this definition too. And it's really simple. Not conditional or limited. That's the meaning of unconditional. It's not based on performance or either whether it is returned. It's a love that gives even when rejected. Without God, We can only love with selfish love. Because even though we're made in the image of God, we continue to walk around in this thing we call flesh. And it's not perfect. It has flaws and wants only what it wants. Nope, we have to have God to love unselfishly and without condition. The great news is, is that he's given us all the instruction we need to do this in his word and through his son, Jesus. Isn't God awesome? Not only did he give us a book, he gave us an example in the form of a flesh and blood person. He knows we all have different learning styles. My prayer for you and myself is that we would give this love and receive it in every relationship, that our hearts would be unoffendable and selfless. Because here's the amazing truth. This love is pure joy. I don't know about you, but I know I've experienced it in my marriage, from my son, from my parents, and from some amazing friends. It's the love that you run after. You soak it up, and then you pour it back out. It's the love that makes everyone want to be around you and be your friend. Sign me up. No matter how much I mess up, goof up, run my mouth, my friends know what I'm talking about, agape love is patient, kind, not jealous or boastful or proud. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs, never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I want to dig into every aspect of this because it's just stinking awesome, but I don't have enough time. So please read it for yourself in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 and meditate on it. I really encourage you to write these things down. Write these things on your heart so that you can live them out. When you are agape loving, then you will see the fruit of the Spirit start to develop in your own life too. Yes! A double portion! The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22-23. So what does all of this have to do with taking one for the team? The Lord actually put this phrase in my heart a couple of years ago. Dave and I have led a couple of marriage groups over the years, and I'm always looking for resources and tools to pour into the lives of others. And I'm always reading things for my own marriage. There's always room for fine-tuning and development. God is always challenging us to go higher. Take one for the team at its origin is a baseball term. The pitcher throws the ball, and the hitter steps in and takes the hit so that the runner on first can steal a base. 
But I think that the Lord is really wanting to point out that this is the act of someone willingly making a sacrifice for the benefit of others. So I'm praying about this podcast and talking to the Holy Spirit. And I say to him, okay, God, so many people write about marriage and practical tools, etc. Blah, 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 blah. Would you make my podcast unique? Would you show me something I haven't seen before and show me how to pull things from my own marriage to encourage the women listening and give them simple but profound practical ways to willingly make a sacrifice for their marriage so every married woman listening could rock her marriage? And here's the scripture he gave me. Matthew 16, 24. If any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? First thoughts out of the gate? I know I haven't heard that verse in reference to marriage before. Great job, Holy Spirit! But what does it mean? So here's what he showed me. Four key things from this scripture that will help you take one for the team. And within these four key things, there's a scripture because we always start with the word of God. And then there's a practical tool, a trap, and an action item. Yes, all my thoughts must be organized. It's the administrator in me, but I hope that will help you follow along. I want this to be practical, but simple. I don't want this to be a lecture. I want it to be encouraging for your life because it's really not as hard as you think. Okay, so get ready. Buckle up or down, whatever the term is. Listen with your heart. Listen a few times. Hear my heart and the Father's heart for you through these words. I hope that if you've been married a long time, that you'll use these keys as a refresher, a tune-up. If you've been married a short time, I hope you'll check your heart and take inventory of where you're at and where you're going. If you're not married, put these in your arsenal as you prepare your heart and life for your teammate. And know 100% that I'm applying these things to my marriage every day and God is blessing it. Just like I know without a doubt that he wants to bless your marriage. Key number one, turn from your selfish ways. Philippians 2, 3-4 says, Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. Ooh, isn't God's word so good? He's so good at being super clear. So here's the practical tool. This one is simple, but sometimes it's really hard. Put your man first and don't expect anything in return. Oh, somebody just turned off this podcast. (laughs) But hear me, ladies. No one wants to be married to a selfish person. Ponder that for a second. Okay, so here's the trap. Get away from the trap that your needs are always need to be met before his. A lot of people are going to disagree with me here, but the word tells us in this verse that we just read to abandon every display of selfishness. So here's your action item. Heart check. What are your real needs? Jesus can fill every single need in your life. Don't let the world fool you. Only Jesus satisfies 
Your husband was never made to satisfy you. He's just the cherry on top of the sundae. Be satisfied in knowing that you are doing what God has called you to do today in serving your husband and others. I mean, who knows what your heavenly reward will look like? Key number two, take up your cross. This is love in action. But what's a cross? It's a bridge, a way for us to have a relationship directly with the Father. Ecclesiastes 6, 9a says, enjoy what you have rather than what you don't have. So here's the practical tool. Focus on the things going right instead of what's going wrong. Here's another trap that I see women falling into all the time. We're so focused on what our husband did wrong that day and every day that he can never do anything right. John Bevere writes in his book, The Bait of Satan. I recommended it last month. I recommend it to everyone. It's awesome. If we walk in selfish love, expecting others to meet our expectations for love, then we will be easily offended when they don't respond as we desire. Things may be going more right than you think, but the spirit of offense has put a lens on your eyes and you can only see negative through that lens. Love is an action. It's a choice. You can choose it right now. Go back to the word and ask the Lord to empower you to see things that are going right and then write them down. Go back to this list when things start to get funky and choose, there's that word again, to not be offended. Don't take the bait. And then start building your bridge. Here's your action item. Ask yourself three questions, then put the answers in action. How can I serve my spouse today? How can I make them feel loved? Do you know their love languages? How can I bless him? Oh, girl, I can't even tell you how happy it makes my heart when my husband is happy, when I'm blessing him, when he feels loved. All that love, it just builds up inside of me, too. And then our marriage, it starts to rock. And isn't that where we want to be? unselfish, loving, showing our man how wonderful he is to us. And then those things start to come back right at us. They get reciprocated to us and we get a blessing out of it also. So here's key number three. Follow me. Do what Jesus does. Listen to the word of God and do what it says. I tried to narrow down the practical tools here for this key of follow me, being like Jesus, but I couldn't. So there's a couple. So here's the first scripture, Matthew 14, 18. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. So the first practical tool is learn how to speak to your husband. It has taken me so many years to get this one right. And believe you me, there were some bad moments for sure. But my husband continues to agape love me and show me tons of grace. Praise the Lord. I ask questions. I use certain tones. I pick my timing. I never nag or repeat. I could probably do a whole podcast on this because I've learned so much. And Dave would tell you that I am a lot better than I used to be at communicating with him. But believe you me, I still slip up. But grace, right? But our words, they come from our hearts. Back there again, heart check. Use your words to build and not tear down. And this is something we actually all need to work on in our day-to-day communication. Okay, second practical tool. Be best friends. 
You're walking this life together every day, right? Day in, day out. You have to look at each other and you should like each other as much as you love each other. I really hate it when people are like, I love you, but I don't like you right now. <laughs> I hate that. You got to become friends. Jesus spent all of his time with his friends, eating, drinking, walking, talking, sharing life. They laughed together and there were some hard times and their friendships were definitely tested a lot. But Jesus never gave up. He showed grace upon grace. I mean, think about all the dumb things the disciples did and said. So I'm at work the other day and I head into the bathroom. It's not going weird. I pull down my pants and realize that my underwear is on inside out. I instantly start laughing. Then I go back to my desk, pull out my phone, and I text Dave. My underwear's on inside out, smiley face. He responds, LOL, and we go back to work. So I'm telling this story to a friend at church on Sunday. Yep, I'm that transparent. And we start talking about this podcast. And I realize this is actually a really great example of what it looks like to be friends with your spouse. I know it's crazy, but you tell them everything and you laugh about it. Because with your true friends, you're fully known. And with your spouse, it goes even deeper. There are no secrets. We actually have a rule here at the Spaniac House. If you're hiding it, then it must be wrong. So if you're struggling with an addiction, talk with Jesus, then talk with your spouse. If you're having impure thoughts, talk with Jesus, then talk with your spouse. Even if you have to remind them that they promised to agape love you first. Don't be afraid to say you're sorry and talk through the junk. This is the time for your team to rally around you as you pull up all the weeds in part one, right? And tell them how Jesus set you free or ask them to pray with you that Jesus would set you free. You are in this together. You are a team. Even as I'm speaking these words, I know that the enemy is laying a trap for someone that says, my husband won't love me. Look at me the same or understand. Stop living in fear. Your husband loves you. He chose you. Don't let the enemy tell you anything different. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care what's going on. Don't listen to these lies. Transparency can only bring about healthy conflict, change, restoration, and peace. Yeah, I said it. Conflict. It's not bad if you do it right. So here's your action item. Read the word. Go back and read these Bible verses. Write them on your heart and ask the Holy Spirit how to practice them. Let me give you a couple of examples of these practical tools in action. Learn to speak to your husband. Think before you speak. Pick the right time. Ask yourself, is this showing respect or manipulation? And when you put this tool in action, the communication can only succeed. The second practical tool in action is a date night. Use the dating divas. I'm going to talk about it in the next segment to become best friends. And the third thing is be fully known. Communicate. Talk it out. Don't keep secrets. And don't talk when you're tired or super emotional. Okay, last key. I think it's the best one. What do you gain from the whole world at the loss of your soul? Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Job 31.1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. Proverbs 5.18-19, be satisfied with the spouse of your youth. So, what's the practical tool? Stop looking around. 
The grass is greener where you water it, not on the other side. Stop reading the books, stop watching the movies, get off social media, and stop comparing. Rejoice in your spouse. Be satisfied by only your spouse. Be captivated by only your spouse's love. Because if you don't, you'll very easily fall into the trap that says, did I marry the right person? Things are never going to get better. Listen, I love Christian romance novels. I don't care how cheesy they are. I think they're super cute and they just are super fun to read. But I have to be careful when I read them. Because if I'm not, I fall into another trap. Comparison. Why doesn't Dave buy me flowers for no reason? Why doesn't Dave look at me that way? Why doesn't this happen in our relationship? Oh, I can so hear the enemy in all of those words. So here's the tool. Guard your heart. Put away the books. Shut off the movies. Stop comparing. Stop looking around. I know I said this already, but I want to reiterate. Be satisfied with your spouse. Talk to him. Tell him what you want or need. Men are not mind readers. And I know I sure as heck hate it when people think I'm a mind reader. And if you have this super expectation in any way, you're going to be really disappointed. You may have to remind him, but don't nag him. Do it gently, respectfully. Tell him what you want and what you need. Final thought. I know I said there were only four keys, but then the Holy Spirit reminded me, above all, we need to be praying for our husbands. Pray the Lord would bless him, that he would pour out favor into his life, that the Lord would reveal his will for your family to your husband and to you. Pray that the Lord would soften your husband's heart toward you and fill him with agape love for you. There are so many keys that we can find in these passages and more throughout the words. These are just a few keys that the Holy Spirit revealed to me and have been keys for my own marriage. There's no perfect recipe and every couple is different, but I truly believe that God is calling us to follow Jesus's example, to show unconditional love, grace, patience, and understanding to our spouses, no matter what the cost, because I'm sure sometimes the cost seems really high, but that's why we call it taking one for the team. More than anything, may the Holy Spirit speak to you and encourage you to keep going. Don't give up. The best is yet to come. Love it! Have you heard of the Dating Divas? From unique and creative date night ideas to helpful marriage tools and more. Date night, special occasions, holiday romance ideas, marriage help and advice, sex and intimacy, communication, and more. These ladies know what's up. God has truly given them an amazing gift. So check out the website at thedatingdivas.com and get your next date night idea for you and your hubby. I love their Instagram the most. They have all these mini date ideas. They have quick tips, meaningful sayings, and reminders. My favorite most recent mini date was one that you could do just side by side sitting on the couch with your phones. It's called the Zero Prep Scavenger Hunt, which included find a recipe for dessert you want to make, Find your dream home on Zillow. Find a funny meme that relates to your marriage. Find the top played song the day you were born. And find a funny or odd product for sale. So silly, so fun. Just something to do together, right? To get you talking, to get you laughing, to just enjoy your time. 
So the most recent saying that I loved on their Instagram was, because it's totally relatable to me, there are two types of people. It's already 10 p.m. and it's only 10 p.m. and they marry each other. This is 100% me and Dave. But here's what I love the most about these ladies. They encourage everyone to make their marriage their top priority. And they give all kinds of tools to do just that. So as we're talking about practical tools this month, this is one of the best recommendations I can give. There's just so many great ideas, so many practical things that you can do with your spouse to enhance your marriage, to enhance your friendship and become best friends like we've talked about. So check them out. The link is in the show notes, thedatingdivas.com. This, I mean like, this is the dream. Something mind-blowing, life-changing, this means everything kind of stuff. Normally, I wouldn't recommend a book that I haven't read yet, but I heard about the book on the Focus on the Family podcast the other day, and I cannot wait to read this book. So would you pick up a copy and read it with me? Then send me an email or give me a call or let's grab a coffee and talk about it together. The book is called Beauty in Battle, Winning in Marriage by Waging a War. It's by Jason and Tori Benham. And you can go to beautyinbattle.com to read all about Jason and Tori. When I grow up, I want to be like them. Every time I hear them talk, I can hear the Holy Spirit speaking through their words. They really have so much biblical knowledge. They have life experience. I mean, it's just really fun to listen to them and to read all that God is speaking through them. So listen to what this book is about and see if you can figure out why I chose this as another resource tool for this month. Beauty and Battle will help you learn the number one relationship killer and how to stay away from it, how to combat negative thinking towards your spouse, the one key that will magnetize you to your spouse and your spouse to you, how to win your love back when you've lost that loving feeling, and lastly, Why was there a wedding crasher at the first marriage in history and how he showed up at your wedding too? Do you hear it? Do you see it? I'm so excited. I just cannot wait to read this book and see how it lines up with all the things that God showed me in this month too. So in the show notes, I'll link the Beauty and Battle website so you can check the book out. You can check out the Benhams and then order the book. I'm also linking the Focus on the Family podcast if you want to listen to the interview with the Benhams about the book. I'm warning you, though, after you listen to the podcast, you'll def want to get this book. That's it. Simple, right? Four keys and some prayer and bring on a happy marriage. Just kidding. But seriously. May these words, scriptures, traps, tools, and action items be weapons in your arsenal as you fight for the marriage that God intended for you from the beginning of time. God created marriage and has given us all that we need in his word on how to make them work. And let's not stop there. Let's go higher to make our marriages stinking awesome. And if you need someone to talk it through with, to love you, encourage you, and pray for you, I'm here. Seriously send me an email at peculiartreasures21 at gmail.com and let's walk this marriage journey together. Let's encourage one another to stand on our covenants no matter the cost and take one for the team. 
May the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you.